This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, so you've been vaccinated. Can you do anything differently? As people around the Bay Area get their second doses of one of the coronavirus vaccines, we're looking at a near future in which many people have immunity. But public health authorities haven't said much about what these people can and cannot do. That's where our guest today, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, comes in. I want to ask her about that and also about the highly contagious coronavirus variants that are spreading through California and whether they may set us back yet again. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Damien. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, thanks for coming on again. Aaron, you have spoken to people who are now fully vaccinated or maybe will be very soon with that second dose. What are they saying? Are they are they looking forward to a different life? Yeah, they are. I mean, and, and different life is sort of qualified. It depends on the individual. I would say a lot of folks that I've talked to who are about to get their second dose or have already had it, um, you know, they tend to be older people and they tend to be older people who have been pretty freaked out for a year, who have been really, you know, really scared of becoming infected with this virus and getting very sick and even dying. And so for a lot of them, just getting that second dose and being fully vaccinated is just going to like ease an enormous burden. It's just going to take a lot of stress out of their lives. Um, and that alone is really pretty huge. Um, and so for a lot of these folks, they just said even something like, you know, taking an Uber to go to a doctor's appointment is now going to feel like something that isn't terrifying to them. Um, going to the store, going grocery shopping, um, you know, just kind of going about their daily lives that that will feel they'll, they'll feel like they can go and get their haircut, which is something that some of us have been doing anyway, with reopening, but maybe has felt off limits to folks who are in those very high risk categories. And that's now something they can do. But aside from that, there are definitely some folks who are kind of anticipating things that are a little beyond that. Um, they're looking forward. I've talked to people, people who are looking forward to, you know, giving their grandchildren a hug, um, to having people over to their house for dinner um, for the first time in a year, to kind of taking masks off in certain situations and and behaving in ways that, that they haven't really been allowed in a long time. And that's that's what gets into the area of, of being really complicated. And, and, you know, for now, we don't, that, that, that kind of behavior is not being encouraged or endorsed. All right. Well, let's let's dig into that. Obviously, there's a lot of, of relief. I know that I am really looking forward to my parents getting that second dose. It's going to be uh, a big weight off, off my shoulders. I know it's going to give my whole family a, a lot of comfort. But there are a lot of unknowns about whether people then should be acting differently. Can they still carry the, the virus? Um, you know, can they, Aaron, walk into the grocery store without the mask? And then when people act shocked, they could say, no, you know, I've been vaccinated. Don't worry about it. Well, right out of the gate, we say, no, we definitely don't want anybody taking their masks off. And 
And partly that is just what you were talking about, which is just the visuals, right? Like, even if we knew, knew those people were fully protected and not going to pass on the virus, we it would just create such a conundrum to have just portions of the population vaccinated and taking their masks off in public. And it would that would just be a disaster. So right out of the gate, they don't want anybody to stop wearing their face coverings in public, even if they're fully vaccinated, even if they're fully protected. But on top of sort of the the the, the kind of visuals that that you know, we don't want from that. There is a very real concern that the folks, even once they're fully vaccinated, that that means that they're not going to get sick. Um, They're not going to have, you know, symptoms. Um, They're not going to end up in the hospital. They're not going to die. We can say that pretty confidently. Um, But they could still be infected and they could have a symptomatic infection and they could still conceivably pass it on to others. Now, when I say could, the truth is we don't know. We just haven't done the studies. We don't know the answer to that. So it's sort of a question that that we're working out now. They're doing those studies now. We probably will have some answers on that in the next couple of months. But for now, we need to work on the assumption that even people who are fully vaccinated can still carry the virus um, and can still pass it on to others. And so, you know, some of the scientists I talked to were pointing out that, you know, even if you have two, two fully vaccinated people getting together and say, you know, having a gin and tonic, you know, after, you know, in the evening. Of course, yeah. Exactly. So I know it sounds great. But even if they do, if one of them is asymptomatically infected and passes that, you know, to the other and they, they both end up and then the other one goes back to say their home or maybe their partner is not vaccinated, they could then pass that virus unwittingly on to, you know, a partner who could get very sick and could die. Um, You could have, in theory, you know, little kind of secret super spreader events coming out of encounters like that. You know, all of that stuff is probably pretty unlikely. But, you know, you don't want to be that person who's fully vaccinated and has that delightful gin and tonic and then, you know, infects somebody you really care about um, and, and causes damage that All way. Right, but, a, but an island, Aaron, an island just full of vaccinated people like the size of the one from Castaway. Well, you know, and I, but that's, I mean, you laugh and, but, but that's, that's honestly a really good question. And there are a lot of people, a lot of scientists who are pushing back on that and are saying, look, we're, we're getting into a point of being overly paternalistic about this. Um, the truth is, if you and your person you want to hang out with are both fully vaccinated and you know that all the people that you're interacting with are fully vaccinated you know it's okay to loosen up it's okay to like give those people a hug um it's it's probably okay to give your grandchild a hug if you haven't seen them in a year um and even though that child won't be vaccinated um kids don't get very sick from this um so god forbid you are one of those people who has been fully vaccinated and somehow is carrying an asymptomatic infection and passes it on to a grandchild that you've hugged you know that child is is at worst probably going to have you know a cold um so i mean there are, there are all these sort of doom and gloom situations i mean kids can have bad ac- outcomes i mean there there are all kinds of scenarios where things can go horribly wrong and you can have bad outcomes but the more these you know people get vaccinated um it's we we start getting into such low likelihood of possibility that you know, we're, we're, we're kind of in this this point of you're doing more harm than good with people being kept away from their families for so long. And with older people who have been in isolation and haven't seen their friends and haven't been able to, to live their lives freely, you know, to keep telling them to behave like nothing's changed. It's, you know, I think we're, we're, we're definitely seeing some pushback on that. Um, and the risk, sort of the risk benefit analysis is it's shifting a lot over time. And I think I think soon we were going to we're going to get some good guidance on how people should behave um, and let people make some of those calculated risks 
decisions for themselves so that they can have that, you know, beer with a friend after work, they can hug their grandchild and feel like they're doing it safely. Um, We just haven't gotten that guidance yet, I think, because it's just still early and we're still figuring out a lot of the details. Okay, so let me get this straight. Don't let your guard down completely. Um, Don't uh, don't don't get rid of the mask. Don't wear a scarlet V uh, on your on your sweater. But uh, take some comfort, perhaps, in doing some things that maybe um, that you didn't do before. Going to the dentist, uh, maybe even outdoor dining, things like this that that you felt like were risks. I think definitely that, and I think that definitely people should take comfort. And I think on some of these other things that are a little bit, you know, haven't been endorsed by public health, you know, it's okay for families and for individuals to start having those conversations. Um, you know, you mentioned your parents are about to get their second dose. My parents are the same. They're getting their second dose soon. And we are already having those conversations about, you know, when they might be able to come to town for a visit that wouldn't have felt safe, you know, a few months ago. But but the truth is, we've been avoiding that because we've been protecting them. We've been worried about their health. And if they're fully protected, you know, we may decide as a family that, you know, we feel like we're ready to to have that visit. And here are some of the precautions that we can take. So I think the families can certainly start having those conversations about how how they can, you know, how they should see each other, and how they should spend time together once everybody's or at least, you know, the, the most at risk people are fully vaccinated. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask Aaron all day about the latest on the variants. You're listening to Fifth and Mission back just after this. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, Director of News at the San Francisco Chronicle. Joined by Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday. We've been talking about vaccinations. We've been talking about uh, whether people should change their behavior. Aaron, I want to ask you now about the, the variants. It's something that, that everybody is, is watching. These mutations that have been seen more and more in California, they are by nature, correct, more contagious because that's why they, they are taking over. Um, the more contagious variants tend to do that. Uh, what is the latest and and how much does it in, uh, risk setting us back? Well, for, first off, the, the mutations aren't necessarily, um, by definition, more contagious. Um, the ones that we're most worried about and the ones that have been really getting a foothold in Southern California, especially, um, that's the variant that's been identified in the United Kingdom. That one is, we know for a fact, more contagious. They have done the studies. They know that that one, it's probably about 50% more contagious than kind of that original virus out of, uh, out of China. Um, the other ones we don't know. There have been a couple of variants identified um, in California. Um, there's some concern that they're more contagious because they have picked up speed really fast and they've been associated with a couple of really big kind of super spreader events. But we don't know. We need to do more research on that. Um, the big fear, especially with this this one that we know for a fact is more contagious, um, is that it just it 
it spreads faster. It's just um, it's harder to contain and and it it picks up speed. And if it does sort of really get that foothold, especially in Southern California, which we've seen has already been the source of a really you know huge surge in cases in California, we're just just starting to recover from that. Um, that you know we could see that kind of pick up all over again, um, especially if this variant very uh, this, this this variant really kind of gets in there. Um, and, you know, overcomes kind of some of our, our, our efforts to control it. And that's, you know, especially concerning as we are doing, you know, we're reopening the economy. So people are going to be out and about more, they're going to be interacting more. And if this variant is out there, you know, it could, it could cause, you know, more and faster um, transmission of disease. So that's, you know, that's definitely one of the things we're concerned about. The other issue is, you know, we have a couple of these variants in other parts of the world that, may be able to evade or at least partially evade our vaccines um, and could sort of reduce the coverage of vaccines. And, you know, we don't want those getting in here. We don't want those getting a, a foothold. And, you know, we also don't want to let more mutations emerge that could, um, again, kind of affect the efficacy of our vaccines. All right. When you talk about the potential of evading a vaccine, um is the possibility that it would that it would miss it in, in general or would it just reduce it by by a degree? It would reduce it by a degree. So, you know, we don't have any evidence at this point. I mean, all of all of the variants we have out there are at least, you know, somewhat responsive to the vaccines. And and really, I mean, we, we should know they're 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 actually the vaccines are are seem to be pretty good against even these variants. Um, you know, it reduces efficacy from right now. Right now the vaccines are like ninety to ninety-five percent effective and it would drop it down to sixty, seventy percent, something like that. Um, which would be a bummer. But, you know, that's that's not insignificant protection. That still is pretty good protection. It would still make a really big dent um in our pandemic. Um so you know, I don't think we're we're super worried about that, about, you know, it's it's not great news, but it's not like a disaster. Um, the, you know, bigger concern is is that we get, again, these other variants that could fully escape or they, or they could make the, the vaccines, you know, get down to that 20 to 30 percent efficacy. The other good news is that these vaccines are designed that they can actually be kind of tweaked um, and, and made to better match variants as they emerge. And that can be done fairly easily, you know, they'd have to do some more studies, they'd have to go through labs. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but they certainly can tweak those and and get around and give people booster shots if if we end up there and we need to do that. So what is the latest? Are the state and local agencies, are they are they doing better at basically getting the vaccine out there? We're definitely doing better. Um, we have a long way to go. And every county will tell you that they right now have the capacity, they have the the staff and the locations and everything in place to vaccinate a whole lot of people, um, you know, 10,000 or more people a day. Um, but they're what they're lacking now are the actual doses still. So, you know, that remains a problem. Um, but, you know, but things are improving. Um, you know, we're definitely giving out higher percentages um, of the vaccine that's being delivered. They're actually getting into people's arms. Um, slowly, what we're seeing are the counties are are broadening um, the groups that they're giving vaccine to. So, for example, in the Bay Area, I think three or four counties are still limiting it the vaccine to the 75 and up age group, but several counties have now expanded to the 65 and up age group, which is kind of that next that next kind of phase, that next tier of vaccinated uh, folks. Um, and even the ones that are in the 75 group, they're, they're, they say they're getting closer to getting that group, you know, pretty fully vac- vaccinated and then moving into the the younger group. So, 
you know, I mean, it's it's slowly we're moving along. Um, there's a lot of debate now um, and a lot of confusion about where we pro- progress after that kind of 65 and up group. And the, the state has kind of said they're going to do this entirely age based um, prioritization where they, they kind of, you know, drop it down and vaccinate younger and younger. But, um, you know, there's definitely groups, especially like disability groups, um, are, are really asking that, that, you know, people who are younger and have pre-existing conditions um, that put them at greater risk of severe illness, that they get kind of priority in the next phase. Um, there are, you know, essential workers, teachers, um, you know, other kinds of people who are really at risk that um, that are asking to be part of that next priority group. Um, there's also, you know, as these variants kind of get a foothold, there's a real argument being made that we should be vaccinating in areas where there's just the most spread happening, which may be in your like 20 to 40 year olds who are just out and, and being the source of disease. They're the ones that are spreading it. Let's get them vaccinated so we can slow things down. So I think there's just there's a lot to take into consideration. And that's that's being that conversation is happening now. And I think we're hoping to get more guidance from the state on that um, later this week or, or early next week. All right. One more question. Uh Fifth Admission co-host Heather Knight broke a big story this week about the San Francisco suing its own school district, trying to force them to reopen. What is the latest on transmission at, at schools? We know some schools are open, many are not. Uh, what do we know about whether that's been an issue in terms of the kids spreading it to each other or to their families? You know, honestly, the data so far says it's not it's not really that big of a problem. Um, we haven't seen much, you know, spread of disease transmission happening at schools. Schools have not been driving even when they've they've opened up and places where they've opened up. We're not seeing kids being big drivers of of infection and transmission in the community. So, you know, I think we're still we're still waiting for 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 more data on that for people to feel really comfortable um you know partly cuz we're talking about kids and we're talking about teachers and these are groups that we really you know really want to protect um and people are understandably concerned about that um but i think you know we definitely have evidence now that that we can we can open schools safely and we we can do it in a way that protects kids and protects teachers and protects families um and we just kind of <laughs> you know, we need to get everybody on board that. And I think um, it's just, you know, it's gotten so political. um, And it's it's the situation has really I think this is a situation that's been really harmed by the lack of federal kind of guidance um, for so long for pretty much all of last year, you know, that's been telling people very firmly, this is what you need to do, we're going to give you the money for it, we're going to give you the guidance for it you know, make it happen. So it was something that was left in, in sort of local decision makers for so long that it's just kind of turned into this fraught situation. All right, Aaron Alday, thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me back, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. 